It's 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific. But right now at this moment, my definition of a hero is the state of Texas. From coast to coast and around the world. From America Out Loud Talk Radio. I want to express our thanks to Governor Greg Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. It's time for Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. I post this from time to time on social media. It's funny. I've never seen a story about a drag queen story time at an assisted living or nursing home. Have you? And that's it. That's the post. It kind of makes you think just a little bit, doesn't it? Why is it we only hear of the drag queens reading books to preschoolers and kindergartners? I've been to assisted living homes and nursing homes, and I've been quite a bit. Thankfully, there are volunteers always there offering their time, talents, and gifts to the residents. I've seen them playing the piano and singing the old classics. I've seen them teaching arts and crafts, doing coloring books. I've even seen service dogs being brought in by them. But I've never, ever seen a drag queen in a nursing home. Have you? As if by design, the targeting of America's youth started decades ago. And now, we see states taking children from parents because the child says they want to have a sex change. It happens. You've seen it. We see states passing laws taking parents' rights away. A woman took her child from Texas and their father. She moved to California where that state protected her right to make the autonomous decision to change the kid's sex. I don't know about you, but when I was in kindergarten, this is true, I literally ate a mud pie. I really did. Not that my decision-making ability is perfected now. I do stay away from mud pies. Science says human brains are not fully functioning and formed until we're about 25 years old. Maybe in my case, it was a little bit a little bit later than that. I'm Booker Scott, and welcome to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. Coming up, I'll have a conversation with the great Dr. Carol Swain. She's a voice of reason in these unreasonable times, and there was also some news about a couple of J6 defendants that finally are being released from the D.C. Gulag. I had the opportunity to interview the longest-held J6 defendant from that D.C. gulag back uh, the week before Christmas, I believe, and I'm going to play a little bit of that for you here as we look into that story about the Capitol Hill policeman actually being the one that placed a pipe bomb at the DNC on January 6, 2021. I mentioned with Matt Palumbo on Monday night that it should have been really easy for the FBI to locate the person that planted those bombs, when it was them that planted it to begin with. And now we have this new news from Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky about that. There is a story coming out of Montana that has me disturbed. I don't know if you've seen anything about it, but I want to bring it to you in the father's own words here in just a few minutes. We'll get to that. But I kind of set it up at the start of this hour. There has been an attack by the left on the youth of America. And it just doesn't make any sense to those of us that try to use common sense. I have a middle school daughter, and about a year ago, she announced she wanted to be a singer when she grew up. We thought it was great. Well, the next week, she wanted to be an attorney. And then soon after that, she wanted to be a dancer. 
I, I remember a time in my life where I wanted to be the garbage man. I also wanted to be a fireman because really, I just wanted to be anybody that got to stand on the back of a truck and go up and down the road. Children aren't capable of making life-altering decisions, like having a sex change. And I don't want to get into the debate about trans people, but I do want to get into the debate about protecting America's greatest resource, our children, our future. There's nothing greater than our children. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida took some flack over some laws the state of Florida passed to protect children, and even more than that, protect parents' rights to raise their children as they see fit, as it should be. Some of these state laws are nuts in places like Oregon, Washington, and California. And I can't help but think that some of these state lawmakers in these places were being read to in kindergarten some 20 years ago by a drag queen. Let's take a look at a leftist political commercial from New Jersey. It's a quick 15 seconds. These politicians that are banning books and censoring education are not here to protect students. It is a covert agenda to change the narrative of this country. And that is not freedom. Is that what this is about? Really? Banning books? Protecting children? I'm going to play Senator Kennedy in just a minute. And he's going to read word for word some of these books that are in elementary schools and middle schools. But listen to this again. These politicians that are banning books and censoring education are not here to protect students. And I think it really matters on what you think children should be protected from. There was a time when there was certain expectations that there was a certain age that people could see certain things, even with the First Amendment and having freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Well, there was a Senate hearing where Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, and I love this guy, he, he's always making a sound bite some way, and it's going to be hard. In fact, if you have children, be careful what they are about to hear, because this is Senator Kennedy reading directly from a book that is in a library. The people that are testifying before Senator Kennedy, they are advocating for this type of book, just like that commercial I just played for you. Here's Senator Kennedy. All boys aren't blue. And I will quote from it. I put some lube on and got him on his knees. And I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain, close quote. So we're all adults here, and that's difficult to hear. It's cringy. I don't want to hear that. Neither do you. Do you want your children and your grandchildren reading that in their school when you don't know what they're doing? And what's crazy is these people are advocating for it. You just heard that Democrat commercial from the state of New Jersey. They think if you are against taking books out of school, that you are the bad person. 
Senator John Kennedy continues. The second is a, a another much-discussed book. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's called Genderqueer. Okay? Let me read an excerpt from that. Quote, I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your in my mouth. I'm going to give you the of your life. Then I want you inside of me. End quote. Now, Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. Well, first of all, there's this... Don't give me a speech. Tell me what you're asking will, me to do. With all due respect, Senator, and the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth is very disturbing. So it's disturbing for 65-year-old John Kennedy to say those words, but it doesn't bother this man for an 8-year-old to read them? But I would, I would also tell you that... We're not advocating for kids to read porn, to Senator Booker's what point. What are you advocating for? We are advocating for parents, random parents, not to have the ability, under the guise of keeping kids safe, to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. You're getting conceptual game. I'm what, not getting conceptual. Well, I'm yes, saying you that, are. Yes, you are. Because In reality, they're not recommending anything. They want people to be able to put, they want one person the librarian, to be able to put those types of books in there. It, it's embarrassing. I don't even like to play that for you. But that is what the left wants to do to your children, and they have been highly successful. Look where we are now. Now let's go to the state of Montana. This is a disturbing story. There is an Air Force veteran that had his 14-year-old child taken away from him by the state. I'm going to let him tell his story. My name is Todd Colstead. I'm a father, husband, and business owner. I was born in Glasgow, Montana, and have lived in Montana much of my life. Now, the story you're going to hear from him is that he and his ex-wife, they're divorced. He has custody of his 14-year-old daughter. His daughter was having a hard time in another school district. She was being bullied, so they pulled her out of that school district, and they moved her into a new one so she could have a fresh start. And that's where this story picks up. On August 18th, 2023, we received a call at 148 from our local city police. We were informed that our 14-year-old daughter was texting a friend that she had met at a school track meet saying she wanted to kill herself. It should be noted our daughter had only met this child once face-to-face -face several months prior and had only phone conversations with her ever since. We took the threat seriously and spoke to our daughter. However, we knew she was struggling with anxiety since school was about to start on Monday. She was also very angry with us because we told her she needed to put her two-week notice in at her summer job so she could focus on starting the ninth grade. At 7.40 p.m., 
a lady by the name of Cindy from Child Protective Services showed up at her home saying that the police officer that called earlier said he could not lay eyes on the child or make contact with her directly, even though this officer never asked to come to our home or speak to our daughter. We allowed Cindy into our home, showing her around. And at that point, the daughter was taken outside with CPS and also another third-party family member as a witness. That conversation that took place on the front porch had to do with the girl, the daughter, taking ibuprofen, taking enough to uh, hurt herself, and drinking some toilet cleaner. So the decision was then made by CPS to take her to the hospital. And then the saga continues. The story continues. Again, this girl is about to start school. She has a conversation that she wants to hurt herself with a girl that she had met only one time. The mom and dad, both in this video, will share that the daughter is someone that has not been truthful all the time. In fact, they say she lies quite a bit. This will be the last time that these parents have control of their daughter. When CPS showed up at the door that night, no longer did these parents have control over the future of this 14-year-old. Now here is the stepmom. My name is Krista Kolstad, and I've been in my daughter's life since she was about seven years old when I married Todd in 2017. And she starts to explain what happened when the daughter was in the hospital. The hospital in Montana started working with her. They gave the mother no respect, didn't allow her to have any say. And I can understand that. She is a stepmom. I don't know that legally she has any right. But the father did. And what happens next is disturbing. Because later it was decided that she needed inpatient care. They wanted to take the daughter to Wyoming where Wyoming doesn't have laws that protect parents' rights against transgenderism and changing the sex of a child. The father here and the stepmother denied that. They didn't want that to happen, but it happens anyway. The hospital continued to call our daughter Leo, even though she's a minor, and after I stated it's against our wishes, our religion, and our core family values. The hospital told me to call their lawyer if I have an issue, as they will do what the patient tells them. As said to them, according to State Bill 99, they may not, under the law, provide transgender care nor transition our child. The response was, they are not providing surgery or hormones, so they are operating in the gray area of the law. I further explained that my understanding of the law was a minor is a minor, and there's no difference between a four-year-old or a 14-year-old, and we prefer she be called by her birth name. On the night of August 22nd, 2023, we received a phone call from the hospital saying a bed had opened up in, in Wyoming and our daughter needed to go. We were confused because early in the day we were told she was next in line for a bed in Billings. My husband and I were not told the name of the facility, only that we had to accept the bed. The hospital put our daughter on a 24-hour supervision because this was a suicide threat. We had never been in a situation like this before and continued to remind everyone that we wanted what was best for our daughter and only wanted her mental health needs met. The following incidents also happened at the hospital that I told both Cindy and the doctor on duty I was very unhappy about. An RN rolled her eyes and referred to me as just the stepmom. Then, when I asked the nurse to call our daughter by her given name, she sighed loudly and rolled her eyes again. When lunch came, I suggested to our daughter she eat something healthy on her tray. The RN looked at me and yelled in the hallway, get this young man a banana split dessert. 
As time went on, many of the CNAs began to refer to me as just the stepmom and continued to roll their eyes at me whenever I spoke or asked any questions regarding my child's care. A pregnant aide sat watch for our daughter several times and each time she told me I should be more respectful of her wishes to be referred to as a male and be called Leo. We felt this was undermining her parental rights as she said this in front of our child each time. My husband and I let them know we agreed our daughter needed to go to an inpatient facility and counseling. We were told there may be a facility in Wyoming. I explained we had concerns with Wyoming and it was our understanding that Wyoming has no laws against minors being given hormones or surgery without parental consent. We stated this as soon as Wyoming was brought up in our daughter's hospital room on August 19th. We had looked online on our phones to see what laws were in light Wyoming regarding transgender care. Cindy from CPS said to us, well, I'm sure we will find a Montana facility, so this isn't an issue, and we can talk more about Wyoming if we have to cross that bridge. Cindy and the on-duty doctor agreed we would try to find a Montana facility. We expressed we preferred Billings as we currently go there often for medical care, but we are open to any of the six Montana facilities that treat children. We simply asked that she stay in the state of Montana and wanted our questions answered by anyone in the system before agreeing to move her to Wyoming. We were told we were not allowed to see or speak to our daughter at that time. Child Protective Services could have avoided this incident by simply communicating with us regarding the out-of-state procedures for a minor going to a care facility. And I would point out that this is all in court right now, and the video you're listening to is about 20 minutes in its entirety. And I've cut it up to get the meat of it so that you understand the story and some of the things that we are up against in this country. Here is the father again, and these are his final words in the video. Since our daughter has been in the group home setting, we have had numerous meetings regarding our wishes for her not to be referred to as a boy. Our wishes are for the program to be therapy-based and allow our family unit to continue to have the right to parent our daughter as we see fit to maintain her care. Our daughter is only referred to there as Leo, he, and him. She has been allowed to shave her head, wears only men's clothes, wears a chest binder, and uses men's hygiene products. She attends a therapeutic school program and is in all boy groups. She has been allowed to attend a church that no one will name she has had numerous doctor appointments for birth control therapy, so she has no so she no longer has a menstrual cycle. One of her daily goals set by the group home therapist is I will accept and embrace my chosen gender eighty percent of the time. This is transgendering our child against our wishes. Our rights have been so stripped and limited that we're not even allowed to know what Dennis recently saw. She was given some flu shots without our consent. Child Protective Services continues to say, oh, so sorry, it, it was an oversight, you were not told. When we ask questions, we are labeled as difficult to work with, when all we want to know is what medical treatment is being provided and by what doctors, what medication she's being given, as well as weekly updates, daily if there's an issue. The family continues to go back and forth to court trying to get their rights back. The judge has told them to be quiet and quit doing videos. This video no longer exists on YouTube. It's been taken down. But you heard it here because it's the truth. It's really happening. 
When I think about it, if my parents had listened to me and adults had backed them up when I was a kid, I would still be hanging on the back of a truck today, 50 years later. And I want to be clear with everyone listening right now. I know, I know I'm talking about a lot of scary things that could potentially affect you directly because one way or another, whatever happens to this country, it's going to affect you or it's going to affect someone you know. So what do you do about it is up to you and it's your business. But if you're the cautious kind wanting to be prepared just in case, then here's an idea. It might make sense to diversify your money with precious metals. That's why I partnered with GoldCo, because I believe this could be the best way to help. So when you go to BookerLikesGold.com now, you can get a free gold and silver kit from GoldCo, which shows you how to get into precious metals tax-free and penalty-free. That's why I partnered with GoldCo, because I know this can possibly help you at this very time in history. Go to BookerLikesGold.com to get your free gold and silver kit. You should be prepared. At the very least, you should be educated about your choices. So take the action. Defend your freedom, your privacy, and your future. Go to BookerLikesGold.com to get your free 2024 gold and silver kit right now. Coming up next, we'll have a conversation with the voice of reason in unreasonable times. Dr. Carol Swing comes up next. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Lean. Pure with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. 
available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD, global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Dr. Carol Swain spent her career in academia as a tenured professor at prestigious universities, Princeton and Vanderbilt. She taught political science and law to the young minds of America's tomorrow. So we'll go to her to try to make sense of these things and more. Dr. Swain's story, if you don't know, started from very humble beginnings, born in the 50s prior to the civil rights, the second of 12 children, born to a father with a third grade education, and a mother that didn't make it through high school, and she was disabled due to polio. She shared two beds with 11 siblings. She witnessed her stepfather abuse her mother. Her family eventually moved to Roanoke, Virginia, and Dr. Swain petitioned the judge to go to a foster care, but the judge denied it. And she lived with her grandmother in a trailer park. She dropped out of high school in the ninth grade, was pregnant and married at 16, divorced by 21. She worked at McDonald's. She was an assistant in a nursing home. She was a door-to-door salesperson. On her own, she got her GED, then her associates, and by 1989, earned her Ph.D. from North Carolina Chapel Hill. Now, she's written 11 books, and you can find her work in publications across the country. You can see her frequently on Newsmax and Fox News. Her latest book is called Be the People, where she gives you actionable items to make a difference in this country. I've admired her for a long time. She inspires me and so many others here in this country. Dr. Carol Swain, welcome to Our Lives in Politics. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, you know, we go through your story, and it's a story, obviously, of oppression. The, the question that comes to my mind is, why were you not a victim? You have had so much success in life, and you're such an important person on the conservative side as a voice. Why did you not choose to be a victim? First of all, this whole notion of oppression and people being oppressed because of the color of their skin has been relatively new in my mind because when I was growing up in rural poverty in southwestern Virginia, we were just poor. And so there were some poor whites as well as poor blacks. Mm -hmm. My family was among the poorest of the poor, but the messages we received were messages that if you worked hard, if you got an education, you could make something of yourself. I believed I lived in the greatest nation in the world Not sure I believe that today, but I believed it then. And I believed that the American dream was possible. And so I did not have negative messages coming from home uh, or anywhere else that focused on what I couldn't do. 
you brought up Israel, Palestine, and I want to go there from a 30,000-foot view. How do you view this conflict? Well, I mean, as a Christian, I view it through a biblical lens. And as a practical person, looking at nations and nation states, uh, my perspective is that Israel was minding its own business. People were living their lives when they were attacked in an act of war and that they have to respond to the aggressors with, uh, with return of war. I mean, someone has declared war. They should not uh, de-escalate or, or pack up their weapons. Yeah, and, cease fire. Or no. Whatever they're trying to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to cease fire when you have enemies that are willing to do all the heinous things that Hamas has done. And it must be so disheartening for Jews in America, at least the ones that uh, love Israel, because there are some Jews that I know that are probably pro-Palestinian because they've been brainwashed on the college campuses and they don't know what to believe. But to see young people on the college campuses rallying in support of the terrorists is something that is very disheartening. And one of the good things that come out of it, Romans 8.28 says all things work together for the good, for those that know God. One of the good things is that people have revealed their hearts, who they are, and as a consequence, there's so many billionaires now that's pulling money from the colleges and universities they were propping up. The universities have huge endowments. It may not hurt them that much, but for enough people pull away because of the fact that they're not educating students, that will be a win-win uh, for American citizens. And speaking of academia, it was something I wanted to get into in this conversation with you. As someone that has spent all the years that you did in Princeton and at Vanderbilt as a law professor, and now you see how really it seems like the last 15 or 20 years that these college campuses and these universities, all they're doing is indoctrinating people to the left and into Marxism. And it really has been upsetting to me to see places like Harvard and other universities in support of Hamas. What are your feelings there? Well, my... uh position in the academies, first early tenure at Princeton and then Vanderbilt. Uh, I was a professor of politics and uh, public policy at Princeton and then law and political science at Vanderbilt. And I would say that the cultural Marxism, critical race theory, deconstructionism, postmodernism, that that has been a part of the campuses ever since I was in graduate school and longer. But some of the ideas that they were advancing, such as erasing borders between Mexico, Canada, and the United States, and turning America into a non-white uh, country because they felt that that would be better for our nation if they were non-white. And uh, I have a edited book, uh, Debating Immigration, the 2007 edition, where a well-known uh, uh, intellectual wrote an essay saying that it would be better to have non-blacks in America, non-black immigrants, because they would be easier to assimilate and they would, you know, replace mm -hmm. pretty much black people. But they were very open about their views. I would say that after the election of Barack Obama in 2008, I saw changes begin on campuses. By 2012, you saw restorative justice. You saw the neo-Marxism, uh, actually, it was already invading 
other departments through critical theory. It was it was beginning to get everywhere, but certainly by 2020, it had already accomplished its goals. We just became much more aware of it after George Floyd's death. That's when it reached K through 12 education. But the universities have been going in the wrong direction for a long time. And one of the things I noticed after 2012 was that we started getting freshmen who were not there to learn from the professors. They had already been indoctrinated. They had answers to all the great problems of the, of the world, the things that have perplexed philosophers. They had the solution, and they were there to lecture the professors. And I think that's what I started to see before I left academia in 2017 is that a new kind of undergraduate was showing up. They had been fully indoctrinated and what they encountered on the college campuses was all the conservative professors or most of them had retired or they had left academia and they were just being further indoctrinated and reaffirmed in their belief. Do you have any hope for universities and colleges? Are you optimistic that this country can be decent again? I didn't say great. I just said decent. I would settle for that right now. Well, money drives everything. And I believe that as fewer students, and there's some data that uh, more and more parents are not considering a college degree a good investment, and fewer students are thinking that it's a good investment. And when donors start pulling their money because they don't want their young people are indoctrinated and those who are Christians, I mean, you had to be pretty insane to pay all that money to send your child to an institution where their lives will be destroyed, their faith will be destroyed. They may be, uh, you know, pushed into transgenderism through the indoctrination. So uh, parents are not damned for buying what universities are selling these days. And I think the university will be forced to change if they want to stay in business. And so I do have hope that one or more major institutions will take a stance for universities returning to the posture of being a marketplace of ideas and welcoming uh, faculty diversity and viewpoint diversity and all the things that they have shut down. I believe all it takes is one or two major institutions making that decision and the rest of them will fall in line. Well, I hope that that will happen. And hopefully you are correct on that. You've mentioned diversity, equity. I'm usually correct. <laughs> you are. I'm sorry, uh, I am. No, you are. You are. I'll give that to you. Absolutely. I have a ton of respect for you. I really do. And I've been excited about having this conversation for a few weeks. Uh, you mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion, CRT. You've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, one of your businesses is Unity Training Solutions. Exactly what do you do there and how are you trying to make a difference? Well, Unity Training Solutions is still a startup. In 2020, uh, that summer, when we had so many riots, I, think, I believe 54, 55 days of straight rioting in cities across America, and I watched the corporate uh, sector pour millions, if not billions of dollars into DEI and sensitivity training and race uh, programs. And I know a lot of it was virtue signaling, mm -hmm. but they were pouring money. And I knew that uh, it would be money that was wasted because you cannot bring about racial reconciliation or healing or any kind of unity, whether it's between males and females, heterosexuals and homosexuals, 
uh, majority group and minority group uh, members through um, a conflict model and the cultural Marxism or neo-Marxism, whatever you want to call it, is rooted in conflict theory. And, and it just struck me as I was waking up one morning, unity, unity. And I sort of jumped out of bed, ran to the computer, tried to purchase the domain name, Unity Training. Someone else had had the same idea, so they had purchased that. Uh, and so I, I got domain name Unity Training Solutions. And, and then a few months later, I uh, got incorporated as a LLC. And the main thing about Unity Training is to get back to the whole idea of e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And I see diversity uh, itself as positive. Our whole universe is diverse. But what has been taking place is not been true uh, diversity because it's been about dividing and pitting groups against one another. And much of what takes place under the guise of diversity training, diversity, equity, inclusion, violates the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and our Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. And in my book, The Adversity of Diversity, I talk about how the Supreme Court's decision to strike down race-based college admissions spells doom for DEI programs because they violate the, st- the law and the Constitution in the same way. And there have been uh, a increase, an increasing number of successful cases where white people or men have successfully sued businesses and organizations because of racial discrimination. And for the longest time, white people thought that civil rights was something that applied to racial and ethnic minorities. Civil rights, that's Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. They didn't think of themselves as having rights. But under our Constitution, all persons are protected uh, against uh, discrimination based on their group membership. And we find that our civil rights laws are needed today to protect men, to protect heterosexuals, to protect Christians, uh, to protect um, uh, whites and Asians, because uh, the discrimination under DEI is so great. And DEI is a, a, an, a is affirmative action on steroids. Mm-hmm. And I argue in the book that we need to go back to uh, the, our civil rights laws and go back to um, and make sure everyone knows about the protections that they have And with unity training, part of the training is about what is the law of the land. And the law of the land does not single out any particular group or punish them because of who or what they are. But the goal is to get organizations and companies back on mission. Every organization, every company was founded for a purpose. And we've lost sight of that. And and so unity training, the goal is to build healthy teams of people working together towards whatever the mission is for the organization. And as unity training has evolved, it has become clear that the focus has to be on the CEO and the owner because only they have the power and authority to change the culture. HR can't do it. Mm -hmm. Lower level supervisors can't do it. It has to be the CEO who casts the vision. It has to be the owner. And so that's where uh, I am. And pretty much it's individualized um, coaching or training, depending on what people need, rather than 
trying to have a one shoe fits all because every organization is different and the problems differ depending on the nature of the work. Dr. Swain, you mentioned Unity several times. The name of your business is Unity Training Solutions. Is is there something that unifies Americans right now? Do we still pledge allegiance to one flag? Well, let me go back to the name of my business. Uh, the Unity Training Solutions was a business I tried to trademark. And when we applied for trademark applications, there were over 500 pending applications for businesses that had unity in their name. Wow. And when we dug into those businesses, they were your regular DEI programs doing the same divisive training, <laughs> but they were rebranding themselves as unity. And so I changed the name of my company to Carol Swain's Real, in capital letters, Unity Training Solutions. And so I do believe that we can have unity and it goes back to values and principles that unite us. And from the Christian perspective, the golden rule, it's so simple. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Our civil rights laws and our constitutions, that was set up to protect all persons. And my position is what unites us as human beings is far greater than what divides us. And when we allow ourselves to be divided by uh, group-based membership, that is the violation of the civil rights vision of integration and uh, and that we can do better and we can do better because we need to be united around first the fact that we are human, but around ideals, values and principles. That's the only thing that can hold us together. It's not our race. It's not where we come from. It has to be a set of values and principles that are fair, that people agree with, that are intuitively powerful. And we have just a couple of more minutes. And I wanted to get your opinion on things that are happening on the border. You know, the same people that claim oppression from slavery and demand reparations or the people that demand diversity, equity and inclusion or the Me Too people, they seem to turn their heads when it comes to the border and they look away because you wrote a piece in June of 2023 this year in the Daily Caller about the Biden administration doing away with rapid DNA testing. And that was quietly done. And what that does, it it allows children uh, to potentially be trafficked, and not just children, but humans as well. And to me, it it just looks like hypocrisy. Why, Why is the hypocrisy allowed on so many different issues, but specifically about this one at the border? I mean, there's no... um reasonable justification for that except evil because the way the cartels operate they can purchase someone's child they can steal someone's child if you come across the border with a child you get a a set of privileges and you're treated differently and so being with a child is is like a high value (laughs) commodity they have made children commodities and part of What was discussed in that article is that there are certain industries that are working children as as young as 9, 12, 13. These are American industries. And when um, Homeland Security or whoever is supposed to be monitoring the situation of those children come to investigate, the children are moved very quickly. They disappear. And Homeland Security has lost camp. This number is from some time ago. 
And it's always great to get the great insights from Dr. Carol Swain. She's a, an American treasure. Coming up tonight here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, don't forget uh, that at 7 o'clock, it's Unleashed, the political news hour, at 8, National Security Hour, and then Rob and Andrew with the program After Dark. It's all on the way right here. We're going to get into January 6th, that bomb that was planted at the DNC, and something Congressman Massey said. It's coming up next. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. It was announced this week that a couple of J6ers were released from the Washington, D.C. Gulag, and we're going to get into that now. Uh, Don't forget, while you're here, go to AmericaOutloud.news. Check out the shop. There's a lot of great items in there. Uh, You can use the promo code OUTLOUD to get a 25% discount. Uh, There's also a bookstore, so don't forget to go to AmericaOutloud.news. Check out the articles, the podcasts, and all the great content from all the great content creators at AmericaOutloud.news. So January 6th, a couple of prisoners were let out. We know that a lot of these cases are being held up now due to that 1512C ruling The Supreme Court will rule on that, maybe as late as June. Going back to before Christmas, it was uh, two weeks before Christmas, I had an opportunity to interview Jake Lang, and he has been in the Washington, D.C. gulag. In fact, the interview took place while he was in solitary confinement. It took two or three phone calls uh, 
uh, because we kept getting interrupted by the recording, uh, the jail phone recording that uh, tells us that it it was going to end. So that was part of the process of getting through this interview. We did get through it. And I want you to hear a little bit of it because there has been much conversation about the treatment of the J6 prisoners in Washington, D.C. According to Jake, right now, there seem to be about 38 prisoners, I guess minus those two, which would put it at about 36 prisoners in the Washington, D.C. jail. One of my questions to him was about the movement of prisoners, because we had heard a lot about these prisoners being moved in late in the night, early in the morning, without notification to attorneys or their families. So that was where this conversation started. I'm going to play a couple of minutes of this interview. If you want to hear all of it, you can go to americaoutloud.news, go find Booker Scott in Authors and Hosts, and go down to this interview. You can hear the whole show. Here is Jake Lang's response to that question. Oh yeah, I've experienced that. And just to tell you, Booker, we're coming up on our third year anniversary of January 6th. Uh, it feels like it's been an eternity, yeah. um, but it'll be one month from, you know, today will be my third year of incarceration. Complete. Yeah. Um, starting my fourth at that point, I will be in my fourth year at that point of incarceration done with three into four, uh, which is a disgusting travesty of justice as is, uh, moving around of, uh, federal prisoners. You know, they do this advanced fiction mostly because they're trying to break our willpower um, basically torture us into a plea deal. So they take you in the middle of the night, um, they stuff you in a, a van, they fly you to an airport, then they put you on a plane, they fly you to Oklahoma. And your lawyers don't know where you are, your family doesn't know where you are. So it's, they're trying to unmoor you, keep you out of your, you know, your center point and jumble you around so that you basically just, you know, are in complete, uh, you know, kind of frantic, frenetic scenario. Yeah. Do you see other J6 prisoners where you are? Right now, I'm in solitary confinement. There's a, two other Jan Sixers down here with me, um, and there's about another 35 of them upstairs in the Patriot Pond, which is where they keep most of the Jan Sixers. Uh, they brought me down here to try to torture me even more uh, and keep me in solitary confinement to try to silence me and break me. But uh, they forget we serve a God who gives grace even in the worst scenarios, brother. How do you cope? How do you cope mentally? I, I wake up in the morning. I get right into the Word of God. I have quiet time with the Lord where I just ask Him to just use me for His purposes, to let me have a deeper understanding of who His Son is and how I can invite Jesus into my life more every day. I work out. I keep a strict workout schedule, and I do all I can do to support the fight for liberty and for freedom. And there were a couple of things that got me thinking about this whole January 6th thing. It seems to disappear from our minds. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson comes in. He's going to release the videos. He releases six or 700 hours. There are thousands and thousands of hours of video to be released. And so far, he's released five or 600 hours of that video. So we patiently wait for more video to come from Speaker Mike Johnson and the Republican House of Representatives. But this is the story that got me thinking about January 6th this week. And that was the story in Newsmax. At least two defendants convicted of obstructing an official proceeding regarding the events of January 6th, 2021 
have been released from prison pending an appeal to the Supreme Court. And that's that 1512C that I was talking about. And more prisoners are looking to follow in their footsteps. Prosecutors have charged more than 300 of nearly 1,000 January 6 defendants with violating the obstruction statute, and that's according to the Washington Examiner. At least 152 were convicted or pleaded guilty to obstructing an official proceeding, and more than 100 have already been sentenced for that. But that is, that is the thing, that 1512C, that obstruction of justice, that is going to the Supreme Court. It, it's in the Supreme Court, but it's going to take some time to be heard. I believe June is what Jake Lang told me in that interview. A legal challenge brought by January 6th defendant Joseph Fisher accuses prosecutors of using an overly broad interpretation of obstructing an official proceeding to launch hundreds of cases stemming from the events of that day. And this includes Donald Trump, too. The former president pleaded not guilty in Washington, D.C. to four charges regarding interference in the 22 in the 2020 election brought by the Department of Justice. So that 1512C has all of Donald Trump's cases held up in court, the ones that Jack Smith is trying to do. But now let's go back and remember January 5th and 6th. The night before, on January 5th, there were people in the street, and they, that's where Ray Epps was. Remember, he was uh, leading the cheer. Everybody's got to go to the Capitol. We've got to go to the Capitol. We've got to put an end to it. All of that was Ray Epps. He recently was sentenced. Got a very light sentence, next to nothing. Now, these other people are rotting in jail for years. You heard Jake Lang into his fourth year now. I believe he said he was arrested January 21 of 2021. So he's been there that long. But yet Ray Epps gets a slap on the wrist for leading the charge. But anyway, let's get back. Let's get back to what really got me thinking about this. Thomas Massey was on Matt Gates' show this week. Matt Gates has a podcast. And he brought up some very interesting information. Those pipe bombs that were planted at the RNC and the DNC. Remember those? The FBI could never find out who it was. Thomas Massey dropped a bomb and here it is i learned that uh backpack guy january 6th backpack guy not to be confused with january 5th backpack person uh, backpack guy was a uh, non-uniform you know plain clothes police officer in, in you know in the employ of the capitol hill police the the person who found the pipe bomb the person who, D'Antuano, who was leading the investigation, say, oh, yeah, and the person who found it, it'd be investigation 101 that they would be a suspect initially until ruled out. You're saying that person was an undercover, plainclothes Capitol Police officer, and the Capitol Police confirmed that to you today? They confirmed that to me today, yes. Again, when I relate this to you, I'm relating what the Capitol Police have told me. They say it was a Capitol Police officer who found this bomb and that um, he told them it was a bomb. He, and he radioed it in, said this plainclothes police officer who had been in the vicinity of that one, they had just found that. The timing is remarkable because it found, oh, it was found five minutes before the breach of the bicycle racks uh, near, at the perimeter of the Capitol. Just a miraculous timing. And again, you're listening to Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky 
And he's talking about the January 5th, January 6th bomb plants at the RNC, the DNC. You hear him say it really wasn't the RNC, but that doesn't matter. Does he have a theory? Who does he think did it and why? I don't know who did it, but I can tell you a consequence of this. Because this is buried in the back of the January 6th committee report that uh, there was a call to bring more bike racks to the Capitol. They had hundreds of them loaded up, ready to bring to the Capitol, to reinforce the Capitol. And it turns out those never made it because this DNC pipe bomb was discovered and they set up a perimeter and blocked them from coming. So So if there was a booby trap intended to um, have people commit a technical violation of federal criminal law with no intent to break the law, uh, that was facilitated perhaps by the very interestingly timed discovery of these two devices. Yeah, whether there was intent or not, the the result of this, according to the January 6th committee, was that uh, it made it easier to breach the Capitol because the reinforcements couldn't be brought. And you have to wonder, you have to ask yourself, who would want that? Who would want January 6th to actually happen? And who would have planted the bombs? There is a lot left to find out about this. For you guys that wear the tinfoil hats, I wear one from time to time too. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Most of my conspiracy theories have come true, and I know yours probably have too. Just Just have to give it some time, don't you? Give it six months, a year, three years, four years, five years. The truth will come out eventually. And that's what we hope for. That's what we do here on The Truth Be Told. My name is Booker Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. And tomorrow night, I'm going to get in. This will be Friday night. I'm going to get into uh, Jake Sullivan a little bit. Let me play you this because Jake Sullivan, one week before October 7th, that's one week before Hamas invaded Israel and killed 1,400 people. This is what he said. The Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. So is the Biden administration inept or just complicit? We'll get into it on Friday night here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And remember, you were told 2,000 years ago that you are the salt of the earth. And salt without flavor, it has no value. You have to keep doing something. You have to be active. Keep being salty. There is only one truth. You've been listening to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott on America Out Loud.